When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are live. One, two, three, four. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to West by Pod, a podcast about WVU sports, the Big 12 Conference, and the great state of Texas. I'm Joel Bracken at WV Stats Guy on Twitter. I'm joined as always by Jordan Pinto at Game Day Shorts. Jordan, how is your summer going? Summer is generally going okay. Um, we were talking a little bit before the pod that uh, you know, as a as a parent of a three and a half year old and a, a one and a half year old, there there aren't a whole lot of wins out there. You're really just trying to maintain order, but took took a beating today. So today was a uh, was a bourbon on. Uh, bedtime kind of a day. Um, but I also did book the Penn State trip uh, this week. So, you know, you, you, you take your wins with your losses and uh, and you move on. How was uh, how was your weekend? That's awesome. That's uh, moving towards some college football. And That's right. Yeah, the weekend was good. Played a lot of golf. Um, it was super rainy yesterday and super hot today. Uh, but no complaints this way. Be looking forward to the fall weather, to be honest. It's been been hot up here. And I know a lot of people are going through the crazy heat wave stuff. So, um, yeah, they're looking forward to, uh, to some football and this week, you know, been learning about Texas tech and TCU. Um, that's who we're going to be covering today on the deep dive, uh, portion of the, the summer podcast. So, uh, last week we did Penn state and Pittsburgh. If you haven't heard that episode, go check that one out. Um, so that's kind of the out of conference stuff. And now we're kicking it off in conference, obviously different this year. We don't play every team in conference. So the deep dive series is just focusing on, uh, the teams that are on WVU's schedule. So the first two of those are Texas tech and TCU. Uh, before we get into those, Jordan, you have any, uh, any miscellaneous topics to bring up? <laughs> uh, so big 12 media day, um, media week, uh, you know, I guess whatever you call it. Um, just the, the two classic, uh, Neil Brown things that, you know, they, they kind of always, I get a kick out of them and, you know, again, I don't know what else, what is he supposed to say really? But, uh, somebody asked him about being preseason 14th and he said, well, you know, it's a good, something to the effect of it's a good thing because, uh, you know, the people who have predicted the big 12 over the last couple of years, haven't gotten things right. Right. Like Kansas predicted last, last year, uh, ended up somewhere in the middle of the pack. So I get what he's saying, but like, it's never good to be picked last. Right. Um, <laughs> and then the other, the other thing, and it's a recurring theme is like, well, we got to get back to our strengths. And it's just like, what the hell have we been hamstringing ourselves on purpose like have we been making it harder on purpose like upping the degree of dip- so you know i don't know why we're getting back to our strengths why we weren't just playing to them all along but you know here we are so those are those are kind of my two thoughts from uh <laughs> from media day yeah the, the neil brown isms um continue i mean yeah i agree what do you say at this point like you know he was like we i promise we aren't going to finish last in the conference like that is a statement you can say in his position with the utmost confidence because you're either right or you're wrong and you're getting or, fired or anyway. Fired, so it's, yeah. it's not like a you know promise that you have to keep like, oh, we broke this promise last year. It's like, no, you know, you just have to say that kind of stuff. And yeah, like getting back to our strengths, you know, we've had Neil Brown four seasons now. What are the strengths? What can you point to even in that four year span and be like, hey, we got to get back to when we were doing that. Like that one time we kicked the shit out of <laughs> NC State. Like we should do that more. Like there aren't really a lot of <laughs> back to it's kind of we should develop some. We should figure but, out what they are and lean into them. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, clearly Jordan and I are quite afflicted with WVU fandom talking through the summer about, you know, the, the football schedule, whatnot. I have not been as inspired to listen to Neil Brown this summer. And part of that is in a way, just like what you were saying. It's like, you almost know what he's going to say and what he's 
it's just like I think it's he's always been amazing with the words. He's always won a lot of the press conferences. He, and stuff, he wins but. interviews. Yeah, he's he's borderline. I don't know if he's undefeated, but he wins a lot of interviews. Exactly. So, you know, I think a lot of people are pushing towards the you know results at this point. Um, you know, I think that's that's a fair statement. Is like you can sell something, but a college football coach selling a program build rebuild over you know the timeline is usually not five years minimum to to get that thing going so yeah i mean <laughs> you know i think at this point the results speak and you know if you have some great results buy some more goodwill is and, it is it is it year five or is it year one point i can't uh I, I like think 1.7 or yeah i think this one's 1.75 because the is first it, one oh, was, okay yeah was negative one and then well, we, we were in be zero reloaded by now we're we're ready to win some games now yeah, and then you know some of the bad luck that just makes it half years and whatnot. So, um, but yeah, here we are. Um, yeah, and today we're going to talk about the the two teams we're going to open the Big Twelve Conference with. So the first of which is Texas Tech, um, and yeah, let's let's get into the the Red Raiders. So last year, I think a pretty surprising year for the for the team. Uh, kind of like you said, the Big Twelve media has been getting some stuff wrong. They were definitively picked ninth. There was like West Virginia eight, decent gap. They were ninth, decent gap. Kansas tenth. That's not how things ended up working out. Um, so you know, eight and five in a first year head coach, uh, Joey McGuire, in a first year being a head coach outside of high school football, um, you know, was a pretty pretty exciting year for them. And I think there's a lot of optimism rolling into this year. The you know the preseason poll this season has them fourth in the Big Twelve. They even got a couple first place votes, though, like half of the league at least got one of them. It's kind of sprinkled all over the place. But I think generally speaking, there's like optimism in Texas Tech football for the first time in a pretty long time. Like I, I, I'm trying to remember the last time they were super relevant and it's been a while. Um, so, yeah, what did, what did you think of their season last year, Jordan? Yeah, no, it's been a minute. Um, and and yeah, I mean, why wouldn't they be optimistic? I mean, you, like you said, preseason ninth go eight and five. They won four straight games to close the year. Um, I kind of saw them as the inverse to us, right? Like where we found ways uh, to lose games in the margin and, uh, and, you know, to uh, uh, we, we've, we found ways to lose games. Like they, they, they won in the margins. They found ways to win games um, and they bring a lot of people back. So, you know, I don't know why, uh, why they wouldn't have optimism. I mean, they're getting some, some dark horse, uh, big 12 hype. Um like you said, fourth best odds, you know, they're, it, it seems like, uh, I mean, so much of the sport is, is narrative driven and, and their narratives are trending in the right directions right now. So, yep. yeah. Yeah. But you know, I, I think a lot of the fighting and building of, of programs, you know, when you're not a Texas or an Alabama or whatever, a lot of the, you know, like the, the narrative build, the climbing the ladder in the conference is really fighting it out and establishing dominance over those like middle to lower teams. Yeah. When you look at the record last year, eight and five was solid. They lost to four ranked teams and Baylor. Those are like they they kind of were like, hey, if you're in the middle of the pack, like we're better than you. They found ways to win the games, like you said. Um, you know, they beat a ranked Houston team. They beat Texas, which is you know a big deal to them. Um, and it's yeah, basically where I would like for our program to be right is like I want to beat all the shitty teams, and you know we can lose to most of the good teams, and then beat some of the good teams every now and then, and that would be. An ideal existence for me as a Mountaineer fan. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just a stepping stone. And like, this is yeah. like, oh, where could Neil, what would a stepping stone this year for Neil Brown look at? Like, okay, now we're moving in the right direction. It would be the season that Texas Tech had last year. Last year. Yep. 100%. Uh, unfortunately, we're in year 1.75 or, or five for Neil Brown. Texas Tech is going to be in year two with <laughs> Joey McGuire. Um, so first year last year, and what I really like about the coaching staff, just as the continuity, they're just running it back. Yeah. Um, Zach Kitley at OC, um, Tim DeRoyter at DC, both guys also going to be second year. So, you know, this is the same, same coaching staff as last year. They, they sold a lot of the stuff. They said the big 12 runs through Lubbock. I think they've backtracked to that, like maybe a tad, but, um, I would play for Joey McGuire, like likable guy. It's it's a it's a great coaching staff, right? You have McGuire, McGuire's uh, CEO of Vibes, and uh, you know just runs 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 a good program. Kitley, young guy, offensive coordinator. DeRoyter, grizzled veteran defensive coordinator. Like what you know, it 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 
it works well, right? Like it's a good mix. It's a good mix of skill sets. Um, yeah, I, Kitley, uh, I mean, I guess it depends like how good they are this year, actually. Um, he, he's a guy where somebody's going to give him a chance as a head coach, I would say, within the next three years um, if they keep producing. So um, enjoy it while it lasts, Red Raiders, you know, because he's probably mm-hmm. uh, he's probably not long for uh, for Lubbock. But, yeah, really, really good coaching staff. Um, and I think that probably plays a big role in the optimism around the program. Definitely running it back. And I think something we complained a lot about last year was identity. And Texas Tech has an identity. On both um, sides. Exactly. You knew you knew what kind of fight you were getting into with Texas Tech. Yep. Um, and you may or may not, you might have suppressed the memory. They did beat West Virginia 48-10 to 10 and shoved the identity right down our throats last year. Um, so you got a front, front row view of all of that. Um, but what that identity is, at least on offense, so starting on the offensive side of the ball, um, you know, last season – it was it's a pretty well balanced team in terms of just offense and defense, both pretty pretty uh, productive. So Beta ranked thirty sixth in offense, and really what they were known for is just just getting plays off. They were going to be Fast. a volume shooter um, and and get the plays off. So last year they were fifth in the country in pass attempts per game. They were first in the country by a sizable margin in plays per game. So like they just want they just want to get volume. Uh, Eighty nine plays a game. That was like nine more than second place. Um, so definitely a strong identity. Um, so yeah, I guess maybe start breaking up the, uh, the position group, starting with the quarterback. So last year they kind of played three different guys at different points of the season. Um, so you saw Donovan Smith, Tyler Schuff and Baron Morton all getting snaps at different times. There were injuries, there were slumps, there was just all kinds of stuff going on, but they kept figuring out ways to keep it productive. Donovan Smith's now gone, and we'll see him in Houston. Yeah, he's in Houston. Yep. So, um, I don't know. I kind of – I didn't watch a ton of Texas Tech last year, but I felt like Donovan Smith was the most talented quarterback. Um, But Tyler Schuff, also a really good option. I think he's going to be the starter this year. Have have you seen anything announced on that? Uh, It it seems like all signs pointing that way. Um, And, yeah, like – Donovan Smith, um, I mean, going back several years, when the guy got hot, the guy got hot. Yeah. Hot, 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 hot. Um, but, I mean, Tyler Schuff, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I want to say the 24-7 guy said he's like 8-1 and one as a starter or something like that. Like, you know, the guy just wins games. He's he's very talented. Um, Barrett Morton, I also thought, had moments. You know, I mean, you saw some of the lows that you would expect to see with a true freshman, but um, spun it. Spun it against, I want to say that he started against Texas when they beat Texas. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, they're in a good situation, right? Um, I, I think chef starting, you have Morton who is probably going to be sitting there as a sophomore. Um, and chef, shuck, shuck, chef, he, he's been hurt each of the last two seasons. Um, and so, you know, it's nice having Baron Morton sitting there, but I mean, both of these guys kind of profile similarly, in my opinion, um, both can move a little bit, um, Shuff's maybe a little bit better pushing the ball downfield, I guess, based on the numbers that I'm seeing uh, from from pro, pro football focus. But um, two two good quarterbacks. I mean, it's a good it's a good situation. Yeah, and just getting experience, you know what you have. There's like there's benefit Correct. in just knowing what you have on the roster. That you know, both of those guys. I mean, all three of the guys last year had over 140 pass attempts um, and played in over half the game. So like that's just hey, like these guys can all go out there. Obviously, not Donovan Smith now, but. Um, you know what you have, and I like this being Shuff's fifth year too. He has two at Oregon and three at Tech, um, yep. so he's been around the block. And you know that's going to be like when you look at this team, it's just so much continuity. It's just like coaches are the same, the system's going to be the same. A lot of this like fundamental skeletal stuff on this offense is going to be the same. Um, so you know, in the running back room, you're losing Sir Roderick Thompson. That's a loss, um, but still keeping Taj Brooks, who is is a very productive back. Um, and I think they split touches pretty evenly last year. Is that they, right? They did, yeah. I, I I mean, I think we made the joke a couple – or, well, I made the joke several times that Sir Roderick Thompson was like a 10th-year senior. You know, he had the COVID <laughs> year plus like four extra years. Um, but Taj Boyd Taj Boyd has been very good for, for uh, several years as well. I think it was pretty even split um, – Boyd had 148 carries, 695 yards, uh, 4.7 per. 
and uh, seven touchdowns last year. So, so, you know, very productive in his own right. Um, that's, and, and, you know, Texas tech is not a, a, a program that churns out 1500 yard rushers. You know, this is, this is on brand for them. I think in my opinion of you have, you know, two, maybe three guys, um, who, who get touches, um, and, and you, you just kind of spread the wealth a little bit. And they actually, they have the other guy back as well. Cameron Valdez, um, who was, was very good. I, I think as kind of the third banana last year. Um, I would expect Boyd probably to get the lion's share of the touches, but you know, there's going to be, there's going to be plenty to go around. Um, like I like you said, uh, you know, he got 148, uh, Sir Thompson had in that neighborhood as well. So, you know, there's 150 touches, uh, uh, up for grabs. Um, they also threw the ball to those guys, 55 combined targets, uh, between the two running backs, uh, last year. So, um, I think, I mean, it's in, it's in the backfield's in good shape. The backfield's in good shape, I think. Yeah. And I just, the thing I love so much when you look through the Texas tech numbers is just the, like, they've spread this thing around so much. There's so many guys involved in the offense. Yeah. It is truly a system and not like, here's our three dudes. It's like, yep. here's our 15 dudes. You got to stop the three of them that are going to be hot this weekend. I think um, I, I think I texted you, man. They had so I mean, you know, two hundred, whatever. They they had twenty three dudes who had one hundred and ninety six or more snaps last year, and then it was kind of a drop off to like the next level of dudes. So you say twenty three contributors, eighteen of those guys are back, right? And so when you talk when you talk about a system, which Zach Kitley's offense is definitely a system. I mean, the, you know, it's it's uh, vintage Texas Tech, but it's like very much his own his own thing. Um, you have 18 dudes, so you know more than 11 starters. You have all these guys back who played and played a lot last year. Um, it's hard to see them not being better offensively this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just I, I like the the sort of system that they have built here. Kind of moving to the the passing game, looking at their the you know the past targets. They have 12 guys who had at least 18 targets last year. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really unheard of. You have a lot of guys. They have six dudes who had more than 42 targets. So, you know, this thing is the rocks going all around. Um, Duran Brantley or Bradley um, is on the all big 12 team, the preseason team. He had the, the most targets last year with 70. Um, but if I had to highlight another guy, another receiver, it'd be Xavier White. Um he had 14 less targets, but just one less catch than Bradley. No drops. Bradley had like five drops. Um, so really like this receiving room, though. They, they're they bringing a lot of guys back um, that you get both tight ends as well. That always helps. So just just kind of like a wealth of dudes in that room. Yeah, Baylor Cup, Mason Thought. Both both very good two-way players, though, it needs to be said as well. Like, they're they're pretty decent in the passing game. They're pretty decent uh, as run blockers as well. And, yeah, I mean, the only guy you lose in the receiver room is Trey Cleveland, who had uh, 42 targets. Um, and you bring in Dre McCray from Austin P, who uh, it's kind of a like-for-like. Like. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't expect them to miss a beat offensively. The offensive line, uh, I'm seeing the my notes. They, they played six a lot last year. Um, and five of them are back and you know, their, their metrics weren't great. Like they gave up a lot of sacks. They gave up a lot of pressures, but like you said, uh, can't, you know, kind of in the lead into the offense, um, they ran like 1200 plays, 1100 plays last year. So, you know, it, it makes sense, um, that they gave up more sacks and more pressures than, than other teams, you know? So, um, you know, I think they're, it, it, I would be shocked if the offense isn't like a full step better than it was last year. And they, were, and they were pretty good last year. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, they just another year in the system, another year with a lot of the same guys. And just to piggyback on the offensive line, they added two guys. Well, added one and um, Cole Spencer last year did not play. They're getting him back and he's a projected starter. He got hurt in the preseason, missed the entire year last year. So have him back for depth. And then, a uh, a first team all name squad guy rusty stats is transferring from western kentucky with two a's yeah with two uh, actually, a's cole, cole spencer's a western kentucky guy as well so so here we have the zach kitley effect right like he was at western kentucky before yep. tech you have two of his offensive linemen coming in it's not like they're going to need to learn how to play right that you would expect them to smoothly integrate in with the other three who are back and you'd expect the room to be to be better 
Exactly. A lot of continuity. Um, they're 30th in offensive returning production. And I'd say the only drop off really is Donovan Smith and Sir Roderick Thompson. Um, so yeah, I really like this offense. I am up on this offense and yeah, I would be really guns surprised up. guns up. Um, and I would be surprised if they're not better than they were last year, um, on the offensive side of the ball. I guess we should talk about the defense then. Let's do it. You, so last me, year, you, me, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll start, you know, I'll, I'll get the taste here. So you good. So last year, unlike any Texas Tech team you've ever seen in your lifetime, most likely, they, they actually played defense in Lubbock. Um, that was like a whole thing they decided to participate in this year, and they were pretty good at it. Um, so like I said, in beta rank, they were 36 offense, 32 in defense. That's a pretty nice split for a growing, climbing the ladder power five team. That's a pretty like healthy representation of, of progress and moving the right direction. Um, so... On the defensive side of the ball, 91st in returning production. So they are going to be losing some guys. Um, but, you know, I still think they have some guys at each level that really can make a difference. And, you know, if you if you like the the odds of this offense kind of on the upswing, I, I think they have enough guys to to hold the rope. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's Bracken's law, right? Where if you're if you're really good at one thing on one side of the ball and then you're just okay on the other side, that's that's enough. Uh, again, against you know the bell curve of college football, um, and and yeah, you know, I mean, you lose Tyree Wilson is the big name, right? Top ten draft pick in the NFL, um, but you bring back Jalen Hutchings, Tony Bradford up front. Um, the thing that concerns me about this defense, and we were texting about this a little bit midweek, um, is uh, the, 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 the end result was very good. Right. Um, but the, maybe between the lines wasn't quite as good. Like if you look, I mean, they gave up a lot of yards. Uh, they gave up a lot of explosive plays. Um, but they didn't give up that many points. Right. And, and so it's like, okay, well, why did that happen? And they were top 10 in the country in fourth down percentage. They were top 10 in the country in red zone percentage. Um, I think opponents only scored on three out of like 74% of possessions that they got into the red zone on Texas tech. Right. And that's like field goals or touchdowns, which is fucking crazy. I mean, that's, that's insane. So like one out of every four times they're coming away with nothing and they led the big 12 in sacks. Um, and it's like the, it's like the, uh, uh, you know, greatest game ever played like three shitty shots and one great shot still makes par. Um, where I mean, these guys were bend but don't break last year, right? And uh, and I, you know, I think a big part of that is you look and Tyree Wilson. So it, it's uh, you know second and nine and at the eighteen yard line, and Tyree Wilson gets a sack for eleven yards, and it's third and twenty at the thirty yard line. Um, harder to get points that way, right? Uh, Marquise Waters, I, we have we haven't gotten to the secondary yet, but like a dude who played in the box, like a, a defensive back who played in the box, made a ton of plays, kind of like a Jalen Petrie from Baylor the year before where, um, you know, when you're looking at like these fourth down, like this situational football, third down, fourth down, um, or red zone, kind, like they had dudes making plays in those situations um, who aren't there anymore. And so, you know, looking at the defense, that's that's like my concern is like, who uh, are the guys making those plays? Like, can they be timely again the way they were last year? Yeah, the timeliness, and you know, we had talked about this a little off chat here, but you know, the timeliness of this defense—it was so good, it kind of approaches that level where it's like, is this like a skill or is this just like luck? Because there has to be the way math works. There is always going to be a quote-unquote luckiest or timeliest team. This team was right up there with all of them, number one in the country in efficiency. Yeah. So explain that. Explain the efficiency. Drive efficiency. Yeah, so drive efficiency, and this is this is something from Beta Rank, um, which is like an advanced metric system that or advanced um, analytics that is capturing different things about college football. So basically, what this means is is from their different variables they have like explosiveness. Um, I think there's like a negative play one. Yep. Um, basically, you account all of those sort of things, and then what is left. Like what is what is not explained by how explosive you are and how you know like negative plays you're producing and all these sort of things. What's left is is in a sense you could call it the luck, the timeliness, whatever. 
but Texas Tech was top in that. So it's pulling, like pulling stops out of their asses metric. Texas Tech was the first ranked team in the country last year. So do you feel confident putting money down on that? They're like, hey, this is this is the clutch. This is the clutch defense. Or is it just like, hey, they were the ones who got the luckiest breaks in terms of missing field goals, fourth down conversions, very timely sacks, like like the the sort of things that you were talking about. Yep. You know, 12, 12 games is like a large sample size. But like I said, like somebody obviously has to be that team. So it's a uh, it's an interesting phenomenon. And uh, yeah, because like, man, a couple of those things go differently. And, you know, maybe the entire narrative in this team could be a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's just me. That's me poking holes, right? Like, I'm, you know, uh, <laughs> just trying trying to find reasons for for why other teams are, are better than us. And, and that was kind of what I stumbled upon. Um, and so they're not, so they're, they're not playing scared. I will say that that is something I feel like we are afraid to mess up and they're not afraid to winning. Mess up. Winning is a skill, right? Like winning is a skill for sure. Um, you know, like as, as somebody who, who was on a, a team in high school that won lots and lots and lots of football games, like 90% of the times we walk on the field, we knew the game was won already, right? Yeah. Like because the other team was already. And so like, you know, having that belief, learning how to win is 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 a definite thing, um, and so well, let's uh, let's get a little bit more into this uh, into this defense here. I feel like I've gone off the rails, um, but yeah. So you lose Tyree Wilson up front, but you bring back Hutchings, you bring back Badford. Um, my concern, my concern with the def- defensive line is is that pop, right? Um, you know, you, you don't have the, uh, what, 50 pressures, you don't have the eight sacks of a top 10 draft pick. Yeah, that changes things significantly. I mean, we talk about it all the time. I do feel like pressure in general is just such an important thing. If if not the most important thing on the defense, it's, it's definitely up there. And yeah, you're losing some pressures, but you have Jalen Hutchings. He's an all Big 12 guy, so he's your your other all Big 12 guy. They have mm-hmm. one on each side of the ball. Um, and you know, his, he didn't have a too shabby of a season last year. He had an 84 grade on PFF, um, 30 pressures, only two sacks, but, um, you know, really kind of did it all. This is a team that plays three down line, three down linemen. So, yep. Yeah. So, you know, he's going to have to be that guy this year. And, you know, I think all indications is he can be that guy. So, um, yeah, I mean, the defensive line is going to be a little bit different than last year, but, um, you know, you hope that they can uh, they can hold the slack from from the from the departure of Wilson. I think the uh, the so the second level is is really interesting to me, right? So yeah, three three five stack, um, three new starters um, at the second level, including so one Josiah Pierre. Uh, he was an edge last year. Uh, he's playing middle linebacker this year as you know five uh, a fifth year senior. Um, so we'll see how he looks in the middle of the defense. Jacob Rodriguez, another guy, I think he played 120 snaps last year, graded out really well, but going to be a new starter. And then Steve Linton um, is a uh, transfer from Syracuse who had 16 pressures and 164 snacks, snaps. Uh, so really good rate there. Um, but, you know, we've never seen any of these guys play significant snaps. Um, so it will be interesting there. Not a lot of depth behind them. Um what do you think about the linebackers? Yeah, like you said, it's just the the inexperience. I mean, the the guy I was going to highlight was Linton, and you know he's coming from Syracuse, where this will be his fifth season of college football. But two of those, you know, he didn't really play a ton of snaps. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think you know experience at the Power Five level is awesome, but um, yeah, th- th- this is probably the the shakiest unit of this defense. Yeah, the secondary looks good, man. Um, I, I think cornerback especially should be set. You have Rashad Williams, Malik Dunlap. Uh, two redshirt seniors, uh, both are two-year starters. Both have played a ton of snaps, um, and they've been healthy. I mean, like they, they these guys have played fifteen hundred snaps over the last two years, uh, and have graded out fine. You know, I don't I don't see anything concerning there. Um, at safety, you're losing a lot of snaps. Um, you know, I mentioned Marquise Waters. He was a really good player for them last year. Who did a ton of stuff in the slot. Did a ton of stuff in the box for them. Um, Reggie Pearson was actually their lowest graded defender last year, but he also played like 800 snaps. Um, both of those guys are gone. So that's like 1500 snaps gone, but only, you know, maybe only half of those were effective, but you do bring back, uh, Dedrian Taylor Demerson and Tyler Owens. Um, Tyler Owens didn't play a ton, but graded out well. And I mean, DTD, I, you know, I think last year that's, that's another first team, all big 12, uh, name guy. Um, 
who who backs it up on the field. Uh, 74.5 grade at the safety position. Um, really good player. I don't know. What do yeah. you, what do you see in the secondary? Yeah, I really like uh, DTD is graded out awesome last year in PFF. He was over 75. Um, and then Rashad Williams also just the snaps. I mean, I think in most places other than the linebacker, it's just these guys got a lot of experience. They were getting nine more snaps a game than every other team in the country that, you know, times 12. That's a lot of snaps, a lot of experience they have to spread around. Um, and and yeah, that, I think you have enough experience coming back in the secondary. I mean, Rashad Williams really didn't grade out fantastic last year. So who's going to be their other corner? Uh, Dunlap, probably. Um, I, think, I think it's Williams and Dunlap. And then I think, so they got a transfer from San Diego State, CJ Baskerville, who I think is going to kind of step into that Marquise Waters, like box safety. Like I'm kind of a badass, but I can also cover wide receivers role. Um, and he graded out really well at San Diego State. So it'll be interesting to see, like, can he step up from... Uh, you know that level, and uh, and and be as effective in the Big Twelve. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, so like you're you're looking at this team; they're getting dark, uh, dark horse Big Twelve contender hype, as we said, seven and a half over under. Um, you know what what what's your vibe like? So so like if they hit over seven and a half, like what's it going to be? I mean, is it the defense? Like defense keeps making stops the way they did last year. I mean, the defense has to be good enough or they're just going to revert back to normal Texas Tech where they have a great offense and they go fast and score a ton of points, but the defense, you know, lets up just as much. Um, I think a really exciting part of their schedule is is they start with Wyoming um, and then you have a game in, um, in Lubbock versus Oregon. So... That's that's super exciting. You're gonna um, learn a lot that week. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna I mean, learn that, so that, much. this week too. That's probably the game of week two. Yeah, yep. September 9th, and uh, the little sprinkle added in there that this is uh, Tyler Schuff's, you know, former school. He played two years at Oregon. Um, so yeah, I, I think we're gonna learn a lot there. Um, if you're selling the Texas Tech narrative, you know, maybe you lose to Oregon, but you have Wyoming, Tarleton State. You have West Virginia, Houston, and you get to Baylor. That's probably a winnable game. I mean, you know, you could easily be five and one, four and two. And, you know, I'm looking through the schedule. They get BYU. They get UCF. They have Kansas on the schedule. Like, there's a lot of places to win. And what they did really good last year was they really took care of business in the middle to lower half of the conference. They won every, every game that they should. Yep. Yeah. So seven and a half is the number. I think it's a great number. It's probably the popular pick, but I mean, you know, we're talking preseason football. So, you know, I, I think I'm up on Texas Tech and I could see eight wins. I could see maybe nine wins if things go we, right. Yeah, I think we both took over in the uh, in the the tiers uh, podcast. So I'm going to stick with that. You know, I, I like uh, the offense a little bit more than I thought I would uh, on first glance. And I actually like the defense a little bit less. But I think the team as a whole, um, I, I still like the vibe. I think over seven and a half feels doable awesome and yeah so just for west virginia we get texas tech at home um in morgantown and that is on september 23rd so that's like yeah week four or five i don't remember if our bye weeks in there before that week four um, week four four, that'll be our conference opener and that'll be right after the uh the pit game so can't um, wait to shit on their uh excuse me rain on their parade yeah all right let's let's uh let's do tc you let's do it so tcu had um so tcu booted up ncaa 14 last season and they just said well what if an average team is just going to run the table pretty much and you know we've all probably done it at some point but they said hey like fuck it we're going to do it in real life and they just had the best season of all time i mean actually i don't know tcu's had some great seasons but especially in like the landscape of college football as it is like they had somehow like an underrated insane season like two years ago tcu had all the same guys that they had last year and then they went from like a what like a six and six team to a 13 and two team all they did was uh run the table in the regular season they lost in the big 12 championship game everyone had you know once again doubts and then they go and beat Michigan in an absolute hell of a game. That was an incredible game. Um, 
and you know go on to the national title oh well that happens to some people um you know that that's whatever but just insane season they were picked to finish seventh last year in the conference out of 10 teams and uh they they did much better than that so this year i'm kind of just throwing my hands up in the air like uh, i don't know because the biggest thing for them and i think you know it'll be the biggest talking point with tcu is just like hey, they lost every single person on offense that like made a massive contribution. So, um, you know, Duggan, DeMarcado, uh, Kendra Miller, Quentin Johnson. I mean, it's just like this was the team that figured it out and did all the stuff. And um, yeah, they're 128th in returning production on the offense. They're picked to finish fifth out of now 14 teams in the conference. Um, What did you think about TCU last year? Well, I think TCU fans would probably say, well, it was a long time coming because uh, that group, that core group of talent that you just mentioned, like it it had been there, right? Like they were due for something like that. Um, But at the same time, I mean, you're talking about like a movie level, fucking Disney movie level magical season. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, I I, I said it uh, on our on our over under podcast it was a nine win team in my opinion. You know, when you look at um, some of the games they won, uh, including at West Virginia, where I mean, that was a game they very easily could have lost. Right. They also had, I want to say three, three straight weeks. They had comebacks where they were down by double digits in, in the fourth quarter. They came back and won all those games. It's just not like a sustainable level of thing, but it happened. Um, And then, you know, they lose to Kansas. And credit to credit to them. Like you lose to Kansas State, right? Like the magical season comes crashing down. Um and you beat fucking Michigan. Yeah. In the CFP semifinals. So, yeah. And so like I mean the team was legit. The team was legit. Like uh, you know, you're, you're you're talking about an offense that um could score from anywhere on the field, right? That's that's a thing that gets thrown around a lot. They legitimately were a team that could score from anywhere on the field. And then the defense was um, stingy enough to to not fuck that up, right? Like there was no pressure one way or the other. Where you know it's like the offense felt like they had the score, the defense felt like they had to get stopped. Like it was a very complimentary football team. Um, and I mean, it was a good good football team. I mean, it's a very good football team. And and now, yeah, it's like I don't know. Was was it? Sonny Dykes, who was responsible for this? I mean, definitely for the vibes, right? Sonny, I felt I, I feel like was responsible. Like like the the uh, Gary Patterson thing just got stale. But like like you said, all the people, all all the playmakers from last year are gone. And it's a whole new set of dudes this year. And so like, can they keep it up? I don't know. Oh, I mean the vibe were the vibe I mean, like who who supplied a lot of this and it's probably some combination, but Sonny Dykes. Was it Garrett Riley, who was the offensive coordinator last year? He is now gone to Clemson. He's gone again, yeah. Was yep. it was it Duggan, the Disney movie star magic? Because like he was a great inspirational dude. He was I can't remember which game it was, where he was like in so much pain and he was still out there like running the football and like limping dude, around. Mike Winchell, dude. I mean, we're literally talking about talking about Friday Night Lights Permian and Mike Winchell out there. It was like unbelievable. Like if you saw it in a movie, you're like, this is corny. This nothing happens like this. And TCU was like just doing that up and down the field all all season. So, you know, we've gushed about them a lot, but it was an insane season last year. And like I said, in the landscape of college football as it is right now, like this is almost the best season TCU could ever have. Like obviously they could win the national title, but like that almost requires like levels of building a program. Like you aren't just going to do that out of thin air probably. So, um, yeah, so Sonny Dykes returning second season head coach. Uh, Joe Gillespie is going to be returning for the second season on the defensive side. Um, but the, the big change on offense is Kendall Bryles taking over as OC. Um, so Garrett Riley, like I said, left for Clemson. And, you know, this offense was potent. They could score from anywhere. They were very explosive, and uh, they were tough to contain. So I'm interested to see how that goes. But, you know, it's not the only change. It's also like most of the bodies on the on the offense. Um, so starting with quarterback, I assume Chandler Morris is going to be the starter. He was the starter this time last year also, or at least before, you know, the first game. So um, what, what do you think of Chandler Morris? 
I, I mean, I, I on paper he profiles pretty similarly to Max Duggan, like maybe a slightly worse athlete and a slightly better passer. Um, but yeah, like what you know, what you were saying is uh, he had won the starting job last year, um, and he got hurt in the first game, and Max Duggan came in and you know never looked back. Had had the season that he had, um, you know. I think it's it's it's. I don't know. It's it's hard to say there's not going to be a drop off just because of how well Duggan played last year. But like just in terms of like the skill sets and all that kind of stuff, like Chandler Morris can do all the same kinds of things. I don't know if he's going to go 75 yards for touchdowns the way that Duggan did a couple times last year. Um, you know, just like scrambled and I'm just going to outrun the defense. Um, but I mean, he's a good player. He's a you know he's a good player. Like I I, I think if you polled TCU fans before the season last year, they were ready to go to Chandler Morris because Duggan had had his shots. Yeah. Right? And, yep. and you know, Morris won the job fair and square. So, yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, once again, maybe just worth mentioning, I know you kind of said it, but man, this team was so close to losing so many more games last year. Like an interesting thing is like in our heads, we think this offense was insane, but you look at the analytics and like, they were good, but to be elite in college football, you really have to be in that like top 10 and a lot of rankings. And, you know, they were beta rank offense was 18th last year. Um, just a reminder, they beat Baylor by one point, Texas by a touchdown, uh, Texas tech by 10 WVU by 10 K state by 10 Oklahoma state by three Kansas by a touchdown SMU by eight. Like this team <laughs> could have lost like half of those games. I just said, um, that, that, was, that was half the fucking schedule you just went through that they won by. And, and I mean, you know, you say 10 points for WVU, they scored a touchdown on with eight seconds left in the game, you know, yeah. when we were right or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. Half, half the, half the schedule was, uh, one score games. And it's similar. I feel like it's a similar vibe to Texas tech. It's like, you know, they found the ways to win. Like winning is the objective. It's not offensive passing yards. It's not all these other things. You know, it's like Correct. winning and, and they did that objective. Excellent. So the analytics, you can throw them out and say, hey, this team won a lot. Um, but yeah, Chandler Morris, like I said, I think interesting. I, I don't know that, you know, sometimes the psyche of quarterbacks is fragile and I don't know how he took all of last year. I don't, you know, I didn't have the pulse on the chemistry of the team clearly the team had great chemistry but i just wonder if he's ready for his shot and he's like hey we're gonna run this thing back and i'm you know gonna do it just as well um so you know i think he could have the chip on his shoulder i think everything else is just like wide open it's you know that we'll see what sunny dykes has built there you know flashing to the running game duggan was a really big part of that um also kendra miller also so the running game evaporated. I mean, the three guys I just named were the running game. Um, I, you know, I saw Trey Sanders, which is an Alabama transfer. Is he maybe going to be the the main dude? Is that what you're thinking? Uh, it, it seems like that's consensus. Um, but he's, you know, he so four or five star, but he's been hurt a couple times. Um, and I don't know when I when I like when I watch him play, he's a little bit different. Um, he's a little bit more, and I'm going to say this and it's going to be like, well, why is that a bad thing? But he's like more Derrick Henry, right? Where he's, he's a fucking battering ram. He's just a big bruising dude. Um, and it feels like the way they've had success with like Zach Evans, uh, Kendra Miller, um, they've had big dudes, but they're like one cut and go guys. Um, more like a, like a Wendell Smallwood or something like if WV fans are looking for, uh, a, a comparison and I'm not sure that. Trey Sanders is that, um, you know, I think the, the, the positive, if you're looking for positive in the running game, it's that you have Trey Sanders and then you also have, um, Imani, or, uh, yeah, Imani Bailey, um, who is a little bit more of a scat back, a little bit more of a smaller guy. So, um, I, I don't know. I think the backfield takes half a step back, but there's a good complimentary skill set. If both those guys stay healthy, like it's a good, compliment of skill sets there yeah i mean they have guys but it, like i said once again it, I'm, I'm just kind of like hands in the air like i don't know it could it who the could fuck knows? yeah did yeah. he have a carry i don't even know if trey sanders carried the ball at alabama so he did so but like, if you look at his game by game it's like four carries in every game and they're like he he was like like uh garbage carries that you know bama yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he I never played never him play against like uh yeah seems teams that were beaten already right 
or just like second like i don't know i didn't go and do the research but it might have been second string guys but it was like last season the snaps he took they were like five a game and they were like in but it was like every game so um you know it's kind of what he's the he was the victory cigar yeah well hey let's see let's see trey let's see what you got trey yeah throw, throw him out there um so for the you know receiving room massive losses there um you know going to be some really tough guys to replace um the the number one of that of course is uh quentin johnson um that guy was a menace he was everywhere but also darius davis tay barber i mean those are three guys that you know you looked up and they felt like they were always (laughs) running with the ball so um Losing a lot there. I think uh, Savion Williams will probably be the top guy in that room now. I also like that they're returning Jared Wiley at tight end. They got him the ball a good bit of times, um, and he seemed like a pretty positive part of that offense as well. Um, any other names stand out to you there? Yeah, Wiley's Wiley's a really good pass catcher and and also a good blocker. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just want to like if we're going to quantify this, um, so two hundred and thirteen targets. 139 catches and 38 explosive plays. And so that's uh, receptions that went for more than 20 yards gone uh, between Johnson, Davis and Barber. Um, Mm. So, you know, just insane. And this is why, I mean, I don't know. I think you said it. They were, they were 128th in returning production out of 131 FBS teams. Um, A big part of it is that receiving room. Um, An even bigger part of that is that all three of those dudes we're top 35 in FBS in yards after the catch. Um, and so, you know, it's really fucking uh, West Virginia fans uh, of a certain age can remember, you know, Tavon Austin uh, a decade and a half ago of we're going to throw a shitty pass to this guy and he's going to gain 40 yards. Right. Mm-hmm. It's nice when you have that as a part of your offense. And TCU had that with all three of these dudes. Um, they're all gone. And so, yeah. you know, who 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 knows the the one uh so i i think they went to the transfer portal um jojo uh early another alabama guy i think it's early or earl yeah an all-namer uh, yeah just another another first team guy and then jp richardson also second team all name um transfer from oklahoma state i you know i figure they're both gonna walk into starting roles i think jojo especially is going to thrive. Like if you watch his highlights, like he's very, it's very much give me the ball and get the F out of the way. Um, he's twitchy and fast. He returns kickoffs for them as well. So that's going to be a, a problem. But, um, but you know, that's just one, that's one dude, like as good as he might be, that's one dude. They lost three of these dudes. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Wide receiver. It's a, it's a big question mark. It's a big question mark. I, you know, we need to see who's going to make the plays for them. Yeah, massive, massive question mark. And I think a funny thing um, when you're looking at the All Big Twelve team for the team that just went to the national championship, um, the only, the only uh, quote unquote offensive player that made the team is the punter. Um, so Griffin Kell, the the punter, was the only guy who is on on that side of the ball that will be on the All Big Twelve preseason list. Um, as for the offensive line, I mean, I think like a lot of teams in college football, lose some guys, keep some guys. Um, I think it was kind of half and half on that. Is that what you were seeing as well? Yeah, they keep they keep both tackles, um, which is nice. Um, so you know you have both tackles, but you have two new starters at guard. Um, and uh, you know the, the the I guess the tricky thing is both of the dudes they lost at guard were good. Um, they bring in a dude from Jackson State, Willis Patrick, who graded out at like a seventy last year at guard. Looks like he's going to start. Um, yeah, I know, right? Like, yeah, what is, d- dyslexic parents uh, who were born in like 1997 or something like that, and uh, we're old Miss fans. Um, but <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they they bring their center back. John Lands is back. He played okay last year. He was fine. I don't know. I don't. I don't expect this to be a dominant offensive line, but I don't expect it to be like shitty either. Yeah, I think I yeah, just same. It's kind of like it looks like it'll be fine. It looks like most teams you lose two or three of the guys and you have the two, road, or, yeah. two or three of the guys back. Nothing stood out to me with this offensive line, I should say. For um, sure. But only thing that stood out was they only really got snaps for six guys last year. And you mm-hmm. know, I lose three of them. So um, you know, but that yeah. that's you can say that about a lot of teams. So 
nothing crazy. Um, so I would say all in all offense, I mean, I don't know how you can say anything, but downgrade or just massive question mark. It's just like, it was awesome last year and it's probably not going to be at that level. Yeah, no, I don't think you even need to, I mean, you don't need to, we're a fucking fan podcast, but we don't need to, we don't need to question mark anything. They're, they're going to be worse than they were. There's no way that they're as good as they were last year. Like, the, I mean, yeah. this team scored touchdowns from all over the, the field last year. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, four, four of the guys who did that are gone. Five of the guys who did that are gone. If you're counting Duggan, I didn't even count Duggan. And, uh, you know, they have maybe like one or two guys coming in who it seems like could fill shoes and it not be too much of a downgrade, but yeah, no, I mean the offense, offense is a healthy step backwards for sure. Yep. All right. So with that, you want to talk a little bit about the defense? Yeah, man. Let's, uh, let's, let's talk about the defense. Yeah, so TCU defense, you know, last year, they were good enough. Like, they were solid unit and, you know, obviously <laughs> continued to do just enough in a lot of these games to win them. Um, I wouldn't say they were like a, a powerhouse unit, but they got the job done. They won some really low-scoring games last year. They won some really high-scoring games last year. They kind of won in all different ways. So, um, you know... Kind of a different story on the defense, at least in terms of returning production. They actually do return a lot of the guys on that side of the ball. So 128th and returning on the offense, 37th on the defense. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think this is going to be a solid unit. And I don't know what position in the league this team is going to be in, but I think this defense as a standalone unit is going to give you the the opportunity to be in games. Yeah, it, it seems like it's going to be a top half group. Um, yeah, last year, so you know, moved to the three three five, moved to the odd front after uh, twenty years of Gary Patterson running the four two five. They were super man heavy last year, uh, like you know, forty forty five percent man um, uh, man coverage, which is you know probably tops on our schedule outside of Penn State and. You know, maybe maybe Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State kind of runs a lot of man, depending on the season. But tons of havoc, dude. I mean, these guys broke up tons of passes, tons of sacks. Um, you know, they were they were they were a good defense. Um, you know, looking at them kind of as a whole, I think the back half is going to be really good. Um, you know, you, you look at the linebackers, you look at the secondary. Um, it seems like. I don't know how deep they are, but like if people stay healthy and that's the thing we kind of didn't say about the way that they were last year is like magical season. These dudes were healthy as fuck the whole year. Um, but they have, they have players and, and they have players, uh, you know, you kind of like you said about Texas tech, they have players at all three levels, um, mm-hmm. which is, which is, which is what you're looking for. Um, yeah. What do you think about the defensive line? I think the defensive line is going to be going to be solid. Um, so last year, your top pressures guy was Dylan Horton. So he's gone. Um, then D Winters is your next guy. He's gone. Um, then Jamoy Hodge. Is he still around? Oh, yeah, he's he, back. He is starting back, linebacker. But, but what I found interesting is, yeah, like your, your top three guys are an edge, two linebackers, and then your fifth pressure guy is also a linebacker. So not a lot of pressure kind of coming from like the interior of the line. Um, the uh, the guy, I don't know, is his name Demonic? Demonic Williams? Dominic Demonic. Williams, yeah. Is it Dominic? Okay, maybe I gotcha. Okay. Um he he's your all big 12 guy and and for the for tcu defense they have an all big 12 guy on all three levels of the defense which you can build around that like that is kind of a a core thing um to build around but but last year williams graded out solid you know he played a lot of snaps um true freshman, only, true freshman you know kind of getting his feet under him he's he's 320 pounds 6'2, 320 so uh, a large large body in there um and then, you know, your other guys on the D-line, so what we're looking at, Caleb Fox and Paul Oywale. Um, I don't know. Sonny Misi, Michael, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Caleb Fox played 300-some snaps last year. So, you know, I think I think a little bit of inexperience on the, on the D-line is probably, you know, like you said, I think this unit probably gets stronger as you move backwards on it. 
Yeah, no, I think, you know, when you're looking at the defensive line, like it's it's kind of what West Virginia, it, it feels kind of like what West Virginia has been working with the last couple of years where um, there are a lot of solid players who are going to put a shift in who you can trust. But I, you know, I mean, the question for me is like, where does that pop come from? Like, right. Like you mentioned Dylan Horton, 48 pressures, 10 sacks. Uh, I don't see that guy on the defensive line. Um, just like I don't, I mean, West Virginia doesn't have a guy either. So, you know, but, um, so, you know, they should be fine. Like they'll be fine. They'll put a shift in, but like, I don't know if they're going to make as many plays up front as they did last year. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, second level, you lose D winners. D winners is like a three year starter, I think, but he (laughs) guy didn't never grade it out. Grades are pretty bad. (laughs) Grades have been bad historically. Um, but Jamoy Hodge, Johnny Hodges are, are there. And then you have Namdi uh, Obiazer. <laughs> uh, possible <laughs> possible uh, Big 12 name of the year. Um, but uh, but dude steps in from safety. He's going to be playing one of the linebacker spots last year. Or, or Sorry, playing one of the linebacker spots this year. He played okay last year. Um, it seems like they have some decent um, depth Brooks and, uh, banks I have as good rotation guys, like both dudes who played a couple hundred snaps and graded out. Okay. Last year. So, uh, I don't know. The second level, second level strikes me as better than the first. And then, yeah, when you get into the secondary, that's when they really pop. Yeah. Same. It's second level. Definitely have some guys coming back that it were productive last year. So your, your second level guy who was all big 12 was Johnny Hodges, not to be confused with Jamoy Hodge. And <laughs> they both play linebacker. Um, so that's a, that's a name thing to keep in mind there, but, um, yeah, I think this unit's going to be fine. Like, I think neither of these guys like jumped off the the page or, or jump off the screen to you, but I think this is a fine unit. And then, yeah, I think the strength of this defense is going to be in the secondary, um, probably led by, you know, like I said, they had a guy in each of the three levels. Josh Newton is your all big 12 guy on the, uh, the back end. You want, you want to talk about a swing and a miss. So <clears throat> Josh Newton's a junior college guy, um, or sorry, a transfer portal guy who we were recruiting. I want to say he's from Louisiana Monroe. Um, and yep. he was down to us in TCU. And then, um, man, I'm not even going to think of the guy's name, it, which, which, which emphasizes the point. Uh, we took a guy, like he went to TCU – these two dudes were us and TCU. He went to TCU. We took the other guy. Uh, dude didn't even travel. Jalen, Jalen something. Uh, he didn't even travel with us last year. Josh Newton is first team all conference coming into this season. Dude made the play against Kansas, like broke up the pass at the end of the game to win the game against Kansas. Guy has outstanding grades. And it's just like one of these things where it's like, did we misevaluate or were we recruited over? Um, hopefully, uh, we were recruited over because, uh, yeah, Josh Newton. Josh Newton's awesome. They also have Bud Clark back. Um, new starter, Avery Helm, transfer from Florida, who he's played a lot, but he kind of, it looked like he lost his job last year. I don't know. He started like the first five games and then was just like a played for the last seven um, so it looked like he lost a job, but experienced, maybe, maybe not great, but looking for a new start. I don't know. Um, and then both safeties back, right? Perry Bradford back. Um, both of them played well last year. Not a lot of depth. I want to say they, they have a, a true freshman coming in class of 20. I don't even know what year it is, but, um, class of 23, I guess Fontenet. Um, one of their highest rated recruits has already cracked the two deep though at safety. Um, and so, you know, you might see a little true freshie out there for them in the safety room, but yeah, I mean, the further back you go, the stronger, the, the stronger the defense gets. Um, I expect, what'd you say? They were, um, 29th last year, 37th returning production. Yeah. I expect it. I expect the defense to be better this year yeah. than it was last year. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you get some really key guys back there, especially in the secondary. Mark Perry also, I don't know if you mentioned him. He's a solid safety. Um, I mean, and this is on top of losing Travis Hodges since Tomlinson, um, who was a big loss. But, I mean, yeah. a lot of these guys coming back and then, um, you know, I think they got busy in, in some of the, both the portal and then just recruiting. So I, I'm seeing three 
uh, or two freshmen. I know you mentioned one of them in the three deep, at least. You have two transfers, actually three transfers um, for for cornerbacks. So you got a lot of guys like in the room, maybe a depth issue, but it seems like you got a lot of bodies. Um, and then the guys who are going to at least be starting um, look pretty solid. So starters look good. I think this this unit can be good. I think the defense can be good. I'm worried about the offense as a whole. I don't know. I could see a reality where this TCU takes a big um, step back at around 500 this year, just if like things aren't going crazy. Um, they aren't getting the luck they had last year. And, and just, you know, this is a refresh. This is, <laughs> it, it, it's a big change. And I think like it would probably be an acceptable change to like go seven and five this year. Like I think, you cash in the years when you can get them when you're this kind of team in college football and they cashed it in last year. So, um, do you know what the, uh, seven, the 7.5, yeah. 7.5 is the number feels, feels high. feels very, uh, very, very coattailsy off of last year. In yeah, my opinion. And, and you're out of conference. You've Colorado first game of the season, not a team who has been good, not a team you want to play right now like you just, uh, oh, you just kind of, I want no part of them leave that alone and you know you just there's a lot going on so that's your opener is colorado um you get nickel state then you get houston in conference and then you get your out of conference smu game and that game's always close um it feels like that's always a close you know rivalry game so so the fact conference. that they poached the entire coaching staff uh to tc <laughs> after after yeah, the and- previously like you know, yeah, exactly. So I mean, SMU is going to have stuff to prove. Colorado is going to be hungry, and then you got the rest of your Big Twelve schedule. Seven and a half. The fully rest, refreshed team is going to be a tough number. I, I really, I really would not be surprised to see this team go seven and five, six and six. No, for sure. I, you know, I think, I think we both said under for the over under podcast. Uh, I like them a little bit more than I thought I did, um, or than I thought I would. Um, but yeah, seven and a half. I mean, eight and four. Eight and four feels like a lot. You know what? Like I expect the middle of the Big Twelve to cannibalize itself a little bit. Um, like there's there's Texas on the high end, and I don't even know if there's a. You know, the media polls would lead you to believe that is West Virginia on the low end. I don't think there's a team on the low end. Like I think literally there is. Uh, one team in the conference who can expect to win most of their games. And then other than that, it's uh, 13 teams with varying shades of, uh, you know, 70, 30, 60, 40 type of games week in, week out where, yeah. um, you know, if you have a shitty week, you can lose to anybody. Or if you have a good week, you can beat anybody. Um, and so TCU certainly falls into, uh, into that group, in my opinion. Yeah. And um, I, I, you know, the scheduling obviously is like a new thing in playing the Big 12. They only get two of the four new teams, which I think, you know, the four new teams are definitely on the, the lower half of the conference. Half, yeah. And then their close of their season is Kansas State at Kansas State at Texas Tech versus Texas. You have Baylor and then at Oklahoma is your final yeah, five. That's a disaster. You could go one and four. Easily. That's a rough final five. You could easily go one and four through that stretch. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think. I mean, I would so seven and a half is a good number. It's a good number. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't bet the over. If I was going to bet, I would bet under. I probably just won't bet. I think it feels like a stay away. Yeah, it feels like a stay away. There's too many questions. I think for me, just in terms of um, this whole full flip. I mean, last year clearly no one saw the TCU thing going. And I don't have confidence that that was a real thing or that was a fluke thing. And you'd run it back with new guys, a lot of new guys on the offense. And yeah. Yep. I would stay away. All right. So that concludes our deep dives of Texas Tech and TCU. So next episode, we are going Houston and Oklahoma State. We get into a new team that's going to be fun check in on dana see how he's doing and then we get the pokes who are in a um they are the opposite of texas tech i think right now in terms of trajectory like like has been somewhere for a while fading in the, the other direction um so you know those are potentially two pretty winnable games for west virginia in that uh, maybe a softer spot in the schedule so 
Um, that'll be our next episode. You have anything else on this one, Jordan? All good, man. Felt like it was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at WV Stats Guy. He's at Game Day Shorts. We have a account for the pod. It's at West by Pod. Get at us on Smoking Musket. Follow Smoking Musket on Twitter. And um, yeah, take it easy out there. And we'll see you in the next one. Take care, gang. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.